Amen. We thank the Lord for this uh, Sunday morning. Another chance to breathe. We have the activity of our limbs. We have a reasonable portion of health and strength. And we thank God and we give him the praise, the glory and the honor. Amen. For all his goodness, all his blessings that he restored upon his people. Amen. Today, uh, I'll be uh, leading you in the word of God today. We honor our pastor, Pastor Morrison. Amen. For her leadership as pursuing word ministries. Amen. And how she does for the people of God. Today, we're going to look into uh, the word of God. We're going to go to the Old Testament today. We're going to uh, look at the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Let's read from verses 44 through 52. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Verse 44 through 52. But before we read, let's go into a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Oh, we thank you for being God and God all by yourself. There's no God like you. You sit high. You look low. Holy Father, we just want to praise you and give you the glory. Give you all the honor. Holy Father, it had not been for your goodness, if it had not been for your grace, if it had not been for your salvation, where would we be today? Holy Father, so many times we don't take out the time, we don't take the opportunity, we don't take the space to say thank you, to say we love you, to say we adore you, to say we appreciate you, to say we thank you for saving us from our sins, to say we thank you for choosing us for salvation. So many things. If we had 10,000 tons, it still wouldn't be enough to say thank you. Well, the Father, we pray that you remember this great nation as it prepares to go into election day this week. As the voters prepare to go into the uh, voting booth to make their selection for the next president of the United States of America. Holy Father, we ask that, that, that you let your will be done. You set up one and you bring down the other. Promotion comes not from the east and not from the west, but from you. Holy Father, so we trust that whoever gets the seat, the will will be done. We ask, oh God, we remember all the churches, all the pastors, elders, teachers, all the ministers. Give them special wisdom for this day that we're living in for the transition that we're going in and about to go into another transition. That they may lead your people in the way you have them to go. Remember the health workers, the health professionals, Holy Father. We ask that you strengthen their hands, strengthen their hearts, strengthen their minds to do what you called them to do and keep them safe. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Holy Father, we ask once again that you lead us in your word. Open up the scriptures to your people. Holy Father, turn our 
ears into seeing eyes that we may behold what you have to say in your word to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 44. And it reads, Then Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. He with Joshua, the son of Nun. When Moses has finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you, indeed it is your life. And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. The Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, Go up to this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and look at the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the sons of Israel for possession. Then die on the mountain where you ascend, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Merodah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I have given sons of Israel. Amen. I would like to pull a text. I would like to pull a title from the text of verse 52. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there. The title today will be from a left from a distance the tragedy of not going all the way with God from a distance the tragedy of not going all the way with God the book of Deuteronomy in the uh, in the Greek the title they got it down saying it means second law. But this can be misleading because the Hebrew is much more accurate. And the Hebrew said the book of Deuteronomy, the, the, the word Deuteronomy means that these are the words of Moses. These are the words of Moses. Moses was 120 years old. He wrote to the second generation of, of Israelites, explaining to them Yahweh's faithfulness and keeping his promises. He also wrote to urge them to honor the obligations to him by obeying his law. The key word in the book of Deuteronomy is covenant. Covenant. Very important word. It's like a treaty, a binding agreement. Uh, uh, you know, a contract 
that they went into with God. But it was to become the besetting sin of Israel that they doubted the active and the providential sovereignty of Yahweh in every single crisis. No matter what came up, no matter what happened, they always seemed to doubt whether or not God would take them through, God would protect them, God would provide for them. We don't know how, we don't know why. You would think that it would be easy for Israel to believe in God because they saw all those firsthand miracles. He was visible to, to them by a pillar of fire and a pillar of a of, of cloud. But it still was hard for them to believe. Some would say the same thing about us today. A lot of us have seen miracles, of, have, have believed in the word of God, but oftentimes it's, is it still hard for us to believe? Deuteronomy emphasizes social justice, personal ethics, and neighborly responsibilities. It is quoted 95 times in the New Testament, and is the favorite of the Old Testament writings of Jesus and the Apostles. Deuteronomy is a word of instruction on how to live in the promised land. In Deuteronomy's view, attitude and action, love and fear are interrelated. You can't you can't be in the, a covenant with Yahweh without loving him. You can't be in an agreement with Yahweh without fearing Him. Love and fear commingled, interrelated. It's the relationship they was to have with God. It's the relationship we are to have with God as well. In any generation, this book deserves careful study. Careful study. Now here we have Moses has written this this song and it's at, it's at the end of his life. And after he reads this song to Israel, he, he goes off to die. So it's his, it's his last words to Israel, last words of warning, last words of a, a promise to them. But there's something in, in this chapter that is not as, well, let's just say the story doesn't end like we expect it to end. The story doesn't end like we expect it to end. Moses was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. Besides Jesus Christ himself. There's no other prophet that's going to come greater than Moses. Besides Jesus Christ himself. Moses was the the man that talked face to face with God. 
But here we're going to read that he was not able to go into the promised land. We're going to see why. We're going to see why that Moses could only see the land from a distance. But was not able to go in. And we want to learn a lesson from, from the mistake that Moses made. And this is nothing to diminish the uh, 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 wonderful character, the wonderful uh, uh, relationship that Moses had with God, the, the, his, his wonderful leadership, nothing to diminish that. But nonetheless, the scripture is written and the story is told that we can learn from it and hopefully not make the same mistake. Now, but before here, let's, let's look at verse 15 of the same chapter. This is all, it's the song of Moses, some call it the song of Yahweh, but Moses wrote this song. Look at verse 15. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You are grown fat, thick, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. Now this is a metaphor of a pampered animal that was tame, gentle, and obedient. But because of the good living that was provided by his master, it became unresponsive, mischievous, rebellious, and vicious. She grew as he kicked. Now, Jeshurun, that's a term of endearment. It's a term for Israel. Jesus called, God called Israel Jeshurun. In this chapter. It was a term of endearment. Because it meant. An upright people. Israel was to be upright. Depicting the holy calling. By which Israel was called. They were not. Just a group of. uh, 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 Wanderers. In the wilderness. God picked Israel. So they would show forth. His holiness show forth his righteousness. They were to be lights to the nation. They were to be stars to the other countries and foreigners that didn't know God. They ate the food they ate because they were to be different. They dressed the way they dressed because they were to be different. They uh, 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 worshipped all the other nations. Worship idol gods, poles of stone, uh, timbers of wood and, and silver and gold. But Israel, the God they worship, you couldn't see it. There was no statue. There was no symbol. There was nothing. Because he was, he was God alone. He didn't need a, a, a symbol uh, uh, because who could describe him? So Israel, with this uh, uh, monotheistic uh, worship, was to be different. That's why they were called Jeshurun and the black people. 
Go ahead. It didn't, it didn't stay that way. They enjoyed God's gifts, but they never looked up to say thank you. You know, they enjoyed all his protection. He fed them in the wilderness. They never ran out of, uh, needed a shoe, sandals, or clothes. They stayed healthy. Never became sick. All of their needs were provided. The flesh was just as young as the, the day they started. But they never looked up to say thank you. And that's the tragedy. That's the tragedy a lot of us live through today. We just take for granted that God is going to wake us up in the morning. God is going to give us good health. That we're going to jump in our car and it's going to crank. And our new car. That we're going to check our bank account and it's going to be full of money. We take these things and we take God for granted. Never stopping to say thank you. Never to stop and to give him the praise, to give him the glory, to give him the honor. Because he is God. And, 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 and remember, we are in a covenant with him. We are in agreement with him. We are in a contract with him to say thank you. Israel, they also, they overindulged themselves. They overindulged themselves. Disregarding God's command for self-control in all things. Hmm? They disregarded his command for self-control. Hmm? And the thing about reading the Bible is that the mistakes that the Israelites made, the mistakes that the, the folk in the Bible made, we make the same mistake. Because we're the same place. And, and we're still making, America is still making the same mistakes today. Overindulging. Mm-hmm. Just because God blesses us with the ham, we don't have to eat the whole ham. Just because God blesses us with plenty of food, we don't have to eat everything that's in the refrigerator, drink everything, and just swell up. We overindulge ourselves. Huh? don't get out and exercise. We don't get out and stretch. We don't get off that couch. Huh? We, we may drink. We overindulge. And that's disrespectful to God. Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. They also murmured. and was never satisfied. They always wanted more or they wanted something altogether different from what God provided. They always just, just like, just like we read uh, at, the, at the beginning, it became the besetting sin of Israel that they doubted the active and the providential sovereignty of Yahweh in every crisis 
every single time. And once again, we see here that they murmured, but never satisfied. Complained about the, 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 they didn't have no meat. God sent them quail. Complained they didn't have no water. God gave them water from a rock. They complained they didn't have the spices and the leeks and the garlic that they had it in uh, Egypt. If we're not very careful, we'll find ourselves doing the same thing. We'll complain because we don't have the new Cadillac that we look at that they they showing on the TV all the time. And, and nothing's wrong with the car that's, that's in your driveway. It cranks up. It's it's faithful to you. It, it's taking it here and there and giving you no problems. Or, or it's paid for, but we want the shiniest new thing that they come. We want the uh, 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 they got these new phones on the TV. Oh, you know they come out every month a new phone. Oh, I got to get the new phone. Why you got the what's wrong with the one you got? They never satisfied. So what do we have? Well, well, well. This one has. Well, they moved in such and such neighborhood, and I, I can't get me a new house. What's wrong with ain't satisfied with what we had? Murmur. Don't you know that's one of the sins that that God really does not like? When the Israelites murmured, he he just opened up the whole ground and swallowed them up. The Lord does not like when we murmur and complain. So we ought to learn to be thankful for what we have. Be satisfied. Simplify. Huh? Simplify your life. Count your blessings. Name the one by one. Count your blessings and see what God has done. Look, let's look over your life. Go through your closet and see, see what do you really need. Do you need any more clothes? No, you got anything you need. Do you need any more shoes? Well, Lord, you need no more shoes. You hardly... That kind of word, the ones you got. Do you just look over your life? Do you have need of anything? There may be a few things you may want, but do you need anything that you need that you need and you don't have? It's one thing to want something, but when old need comes around, that's different. But God has been so good. Guys, it go so good to you. Finally, Israel kicked and rebelled against God's laws and walked away from his covenant. They got tired of listening to old Moses. They got tired of walking around there in the woods with the scorpions and the snakes. Huh? They walked away. They wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted a God they could see. They wanted a God they could touch. Well, my sisters and brothers, if you can't feel God today in your life, that's your fault. 
Because he's he's there. You can you can feel him in your spirit. If you if you if you pray and, and, and meditate on his word and reach out to him. I, I just need to see something. You can see his miracles in your life if you get get off the natural things and focus on the spiritual things. He's a spiritual God. I can remember the time where there was this, uh, you know, this 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 metaphor that that Deuteronomy is sharing is sharing with us here is uh, it reminds me of a of a daughter and mother. True story. This mother loved this daughter so much. I mean, from from day one. I mean. The mother had other children, but she loved this daughter so much. I mean, that daughter you thought was just a bundle of pure gold. To the mother, she was. But she loved her so much that she didn't uh, love her other children as much. She didn't give the other children what she gave to this precious daughter. I mean, this daughter was... In such a way, almost like an idol tour. As the days went on, and the daughter grew up, the daughter forgot about the mother. Begin to disrespect the mother. Uh, you know, I ain't listening to you. I don't care what you say. And finally, that daughter just stopped speaking to the mother altogether. This is what happened to Israel and Yahweh. Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. Mm. You know, you, you, you raised this, uh, this uh, 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 animal and you feed them, and because this animal has become so uh, 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 fat, and got everything it needs, got a warm barn, got all the hay and all the water they need, and and, and snow outside, but that that animal is just nice and toasty because you make sure they got all they need to surround them and keep them warm, fresh water, fresh hay. Sometimes you throw them some, some... ears of corn in that tour and all of a sudden that thing gets so fat and you come in and just kicks you one day. Don't pay don't pay you no mind. That's what America has done to God. Hmm? Serving him from a distance. I'm reminded of another true story. That that's similar to this metaphor. I'm reminded of a of a church, a pastor, and a church member. This pastor was a little, you know, just a little old pastor in a little old church, small. And this member was, was was struggling to become this this nurse. 
she wanted to become a nurse. And as she had tough time, single parenting and, 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 and trying to become a nurse and, and raise her children. But this little old pastor cared for, for, for this uh, upcoming nurse and, 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 and gave her counsel and, and encouraged her and helped her out in time for me as much as she could. And, and just in challenge this this young nurse that she finally became a nurse was finally able to get her degree and when she finally got the degree became this big time nurse she told that old pastor that carried her along well it's time for me to go now church is too small. I don't fit no more. Hey! That's the way America does, God. When we, we get fat and we kick, don't need you no more. This is the setting that Moses was riding to Israel on his way off the scene. Moses told Israel all the words that God told him to speak. This song that Moses wrote was given to him by God. And this song contrasts the blessings and the goodness of God compared to the unfaithful and the ingratitude of Israel. It shows how good God's been, how unfaithful they've been, but God still loved them anyway. So Moses says in verse 46, he said, take to your heart. In other words, take God's word seriously. So, so when you, church, when you hear the word of God, it's not the preachers, not the teachers, it's not the, the human vessel, it's the word of God, and we are to take God's word seriously. We are to take it seriously. He said, and take all the words, you know, you know, it, we just eat the whole loaf. When it comes to God's word, we we got to take all of. We can't leave out one piece. We can't leave out. But that's the Old Testament. We need the Old Testament because the Old Testament has all those principles. The Old Testament teaches us the character of Yahweh. It teaches us the character of God. It teaches us about God. Most mostly, the New Testament teaches us about our Savior Jesus Christ. But God in the Old Testament is oftentimes neglected. He should take all the words. So that's why we need the old and the new together. Take all the words which I am warning you today. God's word is a warning to us. You know, like, like the railroad signs. When you see the lights flashing, hey, when you see those railroad arms going down across the road, don't don't try to outrun them. You better stop because that train can't stop on a dime. Danger, danger. The word of God is warning us. Hate. And we just head right along. Huh? Moses said, I am warning you today. 
He said, which you shall command your sons. Look, he said, he said, command your sons. That's not a choice. While we got our sons and our daughters, the Lord commands us to teach them the word of God. He commands us to bring them to the house of God and teach them how to love and fear God. To teach them how to worship Him. Excuse me. How He ought to be worshipped. See? To teach them to love the Word of God. If, if, if the parents don't teach the children how to love the Word of God, and how to reverence and, 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 and love God, then when they grow up, they're not going to teach their children, and then they're not going to teach their children, and it's going to become a perpetual illiteracy of the Word of God. And that's where America finds themselves today. We find ourselves in a place where the young people don't know God's Word. The older people, a lot of them don't know God's Word. They don't know, hey! They have lost the sound of His voice. This is what Moses was telling us, hey, and warning us again. Who are the most clear-sighted and focused people of today? Those that have a foundation of the Word of God. Who are those people that you can always go to to get a straight answer or to get a... Uh, 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 Reinforce in your soul those that know the word of God. He said, tell them to observe carefully even all the words of this song. Observe carefully means to play, pay close attention. Pay close attention. Well, well, since the, since the corona is going on, we can't go into the churches. I'll put pastor on, on, on speaker and, and go off and do something else. Huh? He said, observe carefully. It's not pastor's words. These are the words of God. We ought to listen carefully. We're going to need these words, just like the old school teacher in that one room old schoolhouse out there on that plain field out there in the country. She told them kids, she smacked their desk with that long ruler. She said, pay attention. She said, when I'm dead in my grave, pushing up lily roots, you're going to wish you living. That's what God's word is telling us today. One of these days, you're going to wish you listened to the preacher. You're going to wish you listened to the word of God. You're going to wish you listened to Moses when he said, pay careful attention to all the words to this law. He said in 47, he said, it's not an idle word. He said, no, no, this is not human. This is not human opinion. This is not human talk. This is not the words of a man. This is not our He said, indeed, it is your life. And by this word, you will prolong your days in the land. 
which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. Look at that. He said, it's your life. He said, you will live longer and be a, and have a more prosperous life if you obey this word. So what some folk may say, well, well, I know one saint of God that they passed away, they didn't live long, and one person of God, they would follow God, they didn't live long. He didn't say you're going to live long. What did he say? He said you will prolong your day. You will live longer than you would have. If I'm if I'm 50 years, if I die at 50 and I'm saved, and I kept the command of God, God did prolong my life. Because who's to say I wasn't supposed to die at 40? When you obey God's word, you will prolong your life. And your life will be more prosperous. Let's not think that prosperity is having a full bank of money, having a uh, no. That's not prosperity because most people that have plenty of money and plenty of cars, plenty of homes, and they don't have God, they have crazy, hmm? or they imagine life because they focus is on the wrong thing. But when you got everything in the right perspective and you love God and, and God has blessed you, you got good health, you got peace in your soul, you ain't worried, God has kept your children safe, they healthy, they're alive. That's prosperity. Hey! That's prosperity. That's being successful. Don't look at Hollywood and, and, and all these movie stars and the NFL players. Oh, I wish. Oh, I wish. You know, you know what I think of when I see those stadiums filled with people? And all the people at, sometimes I think, boy, if I could just, if you just make them all, just hold them all there and let me preach for a good 45 minutes to all of them. Hey! That's what I want to do. And all the people now lock the door. Don't let nobody out. I got it for 45 minutes. I'm going to tell them all the words of God. Hey! Moses said, Observe very carefully. It's for your very life. I'm almost done. 49. Verse 49. In that very same day, God tells Moses as he I told them all the words of God. He tells me, okay, now you go up in the mountain, Mount Nebo, and you look at the land of Canaan. Look at that. He tells them, you can go up and you can look at the Moses was only able to look at this land. What a heartbreaking. How heartbreaking this must have been for Moses. After leading these hard-headed people, you know, the, the trouble and the and the stress they took Moses through, we, we can read the story. They were always complaining and giving Moses a hard time. He finally got them to the borders of Canaan. 
He finally, they finally died. And he done gave them the, the last speech and the last encouragement and the last warning that God told them to give these people. And then God turns around telling them, you can go up and look. How heartbreaking. All those years through such a dry and a hot, terrible wilderness. But not one word of complaint was spoken by mouth. Not one rebellious word. Moses has certainly learned his lesson. Can you see him climbing Mount Nebo, knowing he wasn't going to be able to go in? Wow. 120 year old man still able to climb a mountain? But they, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. None of his physical ability was abated. He was still climbing a mountain like a 20-year-old at the hundred. Hey! Hmm. I'm saying from a distance of tragedy and not going all the way to God. Moses could only see. He could only see Israel's future from a distance. He could only see the future orchards and vineyards and grazing land for the cattle. He could only envision the new generation of Israelites growing up in this promised land that he led their parents to. would it be to go to church Sunday after Sunday, listen to pastor week after week, and then we stand before God in judgment. He said, depart from me. You work of iniquity. I never knew you. How would it be to tell the whole world, I'm Christian born again believer. You stand at the pearly gate. Take it in. W.E.B. Du Bois. He also wrote, as he dreamed of a day when all young black boys, black girls, would be totally free. As he writes, he says, he said, surely there shall yet dawn some mighty morning that will lift them up and set the prison free. He said, oh no, not for me. He said, I said, die in my bonds and in my chains. He said, but for the fresh young soul who have not known the night and awaken to a new morning. That's what Moses was seeing. He knew he was going to die in a foreign land. You know, in the land of Moab. Because he didn't get to go in.
people of God went on. Let's go on. Verse 50. Then the word says, Then died on the mountain where you were sitting. See that? Then died on the mountain. Moses' journey and leading God's people had ended there. On the mountain top. He could go no farther. Another must now lead the people of God into the promised land. Verse 51. Why? Why this great prophet? Why he couldn't go in? Verse 51. Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel. At the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of sin. Because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of Israel. Look at that. God told him, because you broke faith with me. That was number one. You know, when God told Moses to speak to the rock in, in Numbers, the book of Numbers. But Moses, in his anger, he struck the rock. He hit the rock. That's what made God upset. That's the reason Moses couldn't come in. Because God wanted to display the power of his spoken word. Just speak, Moses. Don't do nothing but speak my word. And watch that rock break open and gush out water. See, that's why God's word is so powerful. He doesn't need no help. He doesn't need us to strike the rock. He doesn't need us to speak it in anger. He doesn't need us to change it. Speak the word. And God's word is power all by himself. But when Moses struck the rock, he included a different element in the scenario that God didn't want there. The rock still came open and it still gushed out water when Moses struck it, but it was not the way that God intended it to be. God wants his words to flow freely. No help from man, no help from nobody. That's why the word of God lets us know we can't add nothing to God's word. We can't take nothing away from it. God's word is inspired by itself. That's the only thing that's inspired. Not the writers that write God's word. Huh? The word is inspired. God wanted to display the power of his spoken word. But Moses interfered. And struck the rock. So he could not go in. We are to add nothing to God's word, subtract nothing away from it. God said, "Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Jeremiah said, he's like a fire. Shut up! In my bones. The 
power of his spoken word. That's why Moses said, take heed to it and observe it very carefully. The second thing that God told Moses that he couldn't go in was because he didn't treat him as holy. When Moses disobeyed, he he disregarded the holiness of God. He didn't, Moses didn't do it intentionally. Sometimes we intentionally sin against God's holiness. Sometimes we just don't pay close enough to attention to that God is holy. He's the only one that's holy. He's the only one described in the scriptures as holy. Nothing else in the scriptures, no one else in the scriptures, only God is holy. As the 24 elders that surround his throne, that cry night and day, holy, holy, holy. And they cry so loud that the, that the foundation of his throne trembles under the vibrating voice of thunder, holy. Holy, holy. Ha! Moses disregarded his holiness. Well, he alone is holy. He alone is holy. Last verse. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you should not go there. So Moses climbed. Moses climbed Mount Nebo. When he got to the top of the mountain, Moses surveyed the land of Canaan. As far as his eyes could see. From the top. And after Moses surveyed the land of Canaan, he kindly laid down on the ground, stretched himself out, kindly straightened up his robe over his feet, intertwined and clapped his fingers across his chest, closed his eyes and took his last deep breath and died, just as he was commanded. God buried him. <laughs> he still had on in his burial. How many people have, can you say was buried by God? Nobody knows where Moses' tomb is at. But God buried him. God gave his eulogy. God gave his funeral. So what's the theological thrust of this text? What are we supposed to take away? What are we supposed to learn from this distant journey? Number one, be not deceived. Our sins do have consequences. And sometimes they come and bite us at the least we expect. 
Number two, obey the word of God. Do what he says to you. Get the picture of the man or the woman out of your mind when they, when they speak in the word of God. And obey God's word. It's his words. And number three, reverence God as holy. He's holy. He's holy. Mm-mm. He's holy. He's holy. And I'll conclude with these verses. Verses 39 and verse 40 in the same chapter. He says, see now that I... Yahweh said, I am he. And there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. There is no one who can deliver from my hand. Indeed, I lift my hand to heaven, and I say, I live forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the warnings that's in your word. Oh, God, forgive us that we don't recognize you as holy. Forgive us, oh, God, that we don't obey your word the first time. But help us to follow you closely and to obey your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.